What a remarkable weekend. Be- Becky and I were online for several services, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Every time somebody came up of that water, you know, you could just see God working in their life. It was just so awesome. Um, hey, before I get uh, uh, started tonight um, with a sermon, somebody kind of caught me up uh, by the short hairs today, and, uh, you know, the ones on the back of your neck, and they said, hey, you didn't pray this morning, uh, or you didn't pray all weekend for... Um, the new people elected to office. And, and they were absolutely right. They were absolutely right. I got so tied up in, this, in the new materials. I'm so excited about those that, that I'm so tied up in the details that that's what I've been focusing on. So you're going to be the only obedient congregation all weekend, all right? Because I want to pray for those that were just elected to office because that's what the Bible says to do very specifically in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, verse 2, it says, pray for all who are in authority. So the Bible is pretty clear about this. It's nonpartisan, it's non-political, but it's very clear about us praying for those in office. So let, let us lead, let me lead us into prayer. Lord, we do pray for our new president, President Trump and uh, Vice President Pence. We pray for um, all of those who are going to be in leadership. We pray for all those newly elected congressmen. Um, we pray for um, governors throughout the, throughout the nation. We pray for state legislatures. We pray for mayors, commissioners, right down to the dog catcher if there is one. You said in your word that you have arranged those in government as ministers for good. And so we pray for them that they would be ministers for good. We pray that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would give them compassion. We pray that you would, you would help them um, be, be, never grow weary in well-doing. Um, and we just thank you ahead of time um, for giving us this wonderful country. We love you, and we love this country. Amen. Okay. Now, here we go. I, I talked about this new material, and, and, and we're starting something that's really, really pivotal. This, by the way, did I mention this free? Totally free. It's the right price. Just the right, yeah, it's good. Uh, so l- let, me, let me tell you where we're going, kind of where we've been, where we're going. God wants to give you, I almost call it a superpower. When you were little, did you ever want a superpower? You know, you know you, all those superheroes, they could fly and they could run fast and they could, you know, stretch or whatever, whatever the superpower was. God wants to give you a superpower. And, and, and the superpower would be this. God wants to give you the capability of seeing him everywhere. And of hearing directly and personally from him in every conversation. Because that is what the kingdom of heaven is. When we, when we started out this year, we said, okay, we, we want this year to be... A whole new life for us. A life in the power of God, in the resurrection that we've never had before. And so we started off with like one, two, three, go. Remember that? And, 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 and in that, we talked about, okay, everybody has to start a new life with, it, with understanding forgiveness. What Christ gave us on the cross. Understanding repentance, you know? Um, understanding baptism. That's what... That's what Baptism is you die to your old life and you're raised to your new life, your resurrected life. 
But I want to tell you, that's not just a one-time thing. I mean, getting saved is a one-time thing. Being baptized is a one-time thing. But, but this is a pattern in our lives. Repentance is not a one-time thing. You know why? Because sin just keeps com- creeping back. Yeah, I don't know if it does in your life. It really does in my life. I'm, I've, I've taken on a new task. Becky and I live on a little lake. And, and we got a little dock. And I, w- I was at, on the dock one day and I, and I looked down and there was just decades of muck down there. And I thought, there's probably sand under there. What, seeing how we live in Florida. So I decided I would rake up the muck out of the lake. I knew it would take me months and it has taken me. I've been at this for weeks now. And every, every time I get a couple hours, which isn't often, but I go down and I just rake that muck and I just, I just rake it out and I put it on a bank so it'll dry out and it stinks. It's just, it's just degraded bioorganisms. It just stinks to high heaven. And then I go in and sleep and I'll come out the next day to see how, how much good I've done. Guess what happens? Come on, come right back. It does. Current, you know, the little current just come on right back. But I'm starting to see some sand, just little patches. Well, while I'm doing this, the Lord's speaking to me. And he's saying, Joel, that's your life right there. That sin, your sin stinks to high heaven. It's just your life degraded. And, and it just, and, 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 and every time you think you got something cleaned up, it's going to come creeping back. But if you don't give up repenting, you're going to start to see some sand. Because purity is important for clarity. If you want to see something, we're talking about seeing God. If you want to see something, purity is important. Jesus put it like this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so the beginning of the year was really a pattern that God wants us to have. A pattern of repentance and forgiveness and living in freedom and power. But you can't get stuck in that pattern forever. You know, in... in, in, uh, Hebrews, it says, don't just get stuck in this pattern of repentance to dead works over and over again. There's something more than that. What happens after that whole cycle of repentance? You got to go on. Here's what happens. What happens is that God wants you to be able to see him. There's this great, um, famous um, biblical scholar, J.B. Lightfoot, John Lightfoot. He's, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he said, you know, when the Bible uses the phrase, the wisdom of God, Sophia Tau Theos. When the Bible uses that, those words, Sophia Tau Theos, it's not specifically talking about God as the author of wisdom. It's talking about God as the object of wisdom. That is to say, God wants to give you the kind of wisdom that will focus on him. Not just the kind that will make you smarter. That's the world's wisdom. No, godly wisdom, the kingdom, is where you can see God in every circumstance. You can hear God in every conversation. 
Now, if that's going to be possible in your life, what's that going to require? Well, here's the first step. And if you get, if you get these materials, did I mention they're free? Okay, if you get these materials, it'll walk you through this, this training. See, the reason that we can't see God right now is not that he's not here. I mean, what did, what did the Bible say? The kingdom of God is in, inside you. The, big, the kingdom of God is among you. God's right here. It's that we've been taught to see in worldly terms, in worldly values. We've been taught to, to, to see through the values of the culture. And therefore, to see God, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to be trained. We have to be retrained. We have to create new neural pathways. And in order to do that, you've got to go through a process. And so here's the first step of that process. If God wants you to see him, you're going to have to have more than a chance of putting yourself in religious places with religious people. You're going to have to have more of an opportunity than that. God's going to need to speak to you, watch this, through anybody. You realize this, I've been telling you this for months, that everyone, each one of us, was made specifically by God, on purpose. David speaks for all of us when he says in Psalm 139, I give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I stop right there for a second? Don't get mad at yourself for how you are. I know, I know you all just berate yourself and you beat yourself up. Man, I wish I wasn't like that. Stop that. No, God, God made you on purpose like you are. Because he has a plan for your life. Your days were ordained. You know, that's a religious word, right? That's a, re, that's a word that has to do with ministry. Your, your days were ordained before you were ever born. So God has a plan for your life, but not just for your life. Watch this, for everybody's life around you. So the first thing is we have to understand that we're, we're wonderfully made. All of your works are wonderfully made, and my soul knows it very well. We have to understand that God has put people around us, not just so that we can count them, as equal. You know, the culture says we got to come up to the place where everybody's equal. The kingdom says that's too low a bar. That's too low a bar. Of course everybody's equal. Everybody was made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Male and female created he them in his own image. Of course everybody's equal. Of course everybody's of worth. That's way too low a bar in the kingdom. People aren't just equal. They're special. People aren't just worthy. They're needed. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But now there are many members but one body. This is talking about our physical bodies. It's talking about the church. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You can't say to any person in your life, 
Although the world teaches you to do just this, I have no need of you. This is how the world teaches us to think. This person is somebody I need. This person is not somebody I need. This person is somebody who is worthy. This person is not somebody who is worthy. That's the opposite thinking of the kingdom. The kingdom says, no, everybody is not only worthy, they're needed. For what? So that God will speak through them to us. That's who he's going to use. That's who he's going to use. How how is it that, that you think that God speaks to you specifically? Well, a lot of us, the world says, well, if you want to get hear the, hear the word from God, you've got to read the Bible. Yeah. You've got to go listen to a preacher. Thank you. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. I hope God speaks to you while I move my mouth. But is that all? Seriously, is that all? A lot of you think, well, God would never use me. I haven't got, I, I, I haven't got any special ability. I haven't got any special knowledge. I don't even know the Bible very well. Here's the question. How big a God do you believe in? See, a lot of us have natural inferior complexes. Now, there are a few who are megalomaniacs. <laughs> they, I, I get a kick out of them. But, but most of us, understand how much we don't know and we count ourselves just like Paul did this is startling you know how Paul characterized himself it says in Ephesians chapter 3 to me the very least of all the saints now stop right there because that word will make you stumble most of my family is Catholic and and so I was raised uh, uh, with surrounded by Catholics. My favorite uncle's a priest, and and so on and so forth. In the Catholic Church, you got to go through quite a bit to be labeled a saint. Not in the Protestant Church. Not in the Bible. Because they didn't have time to make saints. You were a saint if you followed God. Do you realize you're a saint? All y'all. All y'all. Saints. But here's where we would resonate with Paul. I'm the very least, because we know ourselves, don't we? I mean, if you're honest, saint, seriously? Yeah. The very least of all the saints, watch this. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Do you realize you can do that with your life? That God will speak through you and that God will speak through other perfectly ordinary people to you? Do you realize that? See, we've got categories, don't we? Well, I realize he'll speak, he'll speak to me through religious people, through people who have been Christians for 50 years. Now, that's, that's somebody I'll listen to. But he can't speak through somebody who's a non-believer. He can't speak through somebody who's of another religion. Really? I ask you again, how big a God do you believe in? If he can speak through Balaam's ass, 
Don't you think he can use a few asses today? I'm serious. I'm totally serious. This isn't about being qualified. This is about the Lord of the universe surprising us through the revelation of the ordinariness of life. Because he wants to speak to you. Why do you think he came down as a man? He was born in our form, walked around in our life because he wanted to speak to you. And so you've got to start thinking people aren't just worthy, they're special. People aren't just valuable, they're needed. And God is going to surprise me speaking through people that I did not expect. You remember how Jesus taught about God, right? Two parables. What are parables? They're just stories of, of ordinary life. Jesus told story after story about nothing special, something everybody could, could identify with. Man had two sons. Turns out one was super responsible and one just partied his brains out. Who, can, who doesn't know a family like that? If you got more than one kid, you're wondering, did these two kids come from the same parents when you know they did? Everybody is drawn in by that. And chances are you got one responsible and one party animal. And he used that to teach about, about the father who wouldn't leave that porch until that one son came back. Looked for him every day. That really wasn't about the sons. It was about the father. But see, it was ordinary. A sower went out to sow. Just, just about work. Just about work. The seed fell on different types of soil. Just about work. Let me, let me do this. I, I, I keep saying, you know, God can speak through, you know, everybody. So let me come up. I'm, I'm going to do this a couple of times. Just get ready. Who has a job here? Who has a job? Just raise your hand. Okay. Shawnee, what's your job? Um, I do marketing. Okay. Shawnee does marketing. Okay. Listen. If Jesus were here, he would say, there was a man who did marketing. (laughs) Seriously, he would. There was a man who did marketing and he went out and taught people how to communicate the value of their products. Now, everybody is listening by now because they know they're going to hear something about God through a job that we all know very well. The, the, any job, you, who else has, has a job? Who else has a job? Okay. All right. Let me come back and get you. What's your name? I know Shawnee's name. What, tell me your name. My name is Sean. Sean, and what's I your job? At, I work at Five Guys. You're like what? Work at Five Guys at a restaurant. Oh, Five Guys. Man, you're my favorite guy. You are. Can you hook us up? Everybody, everybody go with Sean after the service. Five Guys. All right. Man, Jesus could tell a parable about Five Guys. He could. There was a man who worked at Five Guys. You know, don't you want to hear the end of that story? I, there, there was Saturday night when I did this, I think I surprised everybody. And I said, okay, I'm going to come out 
who has a job? And there was one hand that went up. It was in the back of the room. I'm thinking, boy, this unemployment thing. Now, I know the numbers are going down, but we've got it's, it. He was a little kid, little kid. So I went all the way back and I said, what's your job? And he, he's like, I don't know, 12 years old. Of course, everybody looks at, like they're 12 years old when you get my age, but he's, I think, 12 years old. And he said, I work in my family's gun shop. Can't you see, wouldn't you love to hear this parable? There was a young man who worked in his family's gun shop. Don't you want to hear the rest of that story? Well, there is the rest of that story. There is the rest of that story. There's a story about five guys. There's a story about marketing. And if Jesus were here today, he would be telling you parables through these people's lives. (laughs) Gotcha. Jesus is here today. And he's telling you parables through these people's lives. Don't you want to have the ears to hear it? Don't you want to have the, the, the eyes to see it? See, we've got, this, we've got this thing where we have so confined our source of learning that... that we, we think we have to have something super religious. But Jesus never used the super religious. Not as an example. He used, he used the people who nobody else would listen to. Did you ever notice that? Jesus was the most interruptible guy and, 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 he would, and, and, and person after person was brought as a teacher who everybody else discounted. Let me give you a, a couple of examples. Jesus is going around one day, and, and, uh, and, and the representatives of a centurion, now you know what a centurion is. He's, he's the commander of 100 people in the Roman army. So a centurion's not a believer. You know, he's not a believer in the Jewish God. Now, he loved the Jewish people. This particular centurion was a really great guy, and he loved the Jewish people, and he helped them out all the time. But his servant was sick. And he heard this Jesus could heal people. And so he sent a, a representative body and said, would you, uh, my servant's sick, would you, would you come and heal? And Jesus, totally interruptible, started to head that way. And the centurion said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Now, what was he thinking? This centurion was such a considerate person. You know, you have a lot of considerate friends who aren't believers. They're just kind, nice, wonderful people. They're not believers yet. That's why you're still here. Because they're not believers yet. But we'll get to that later on. He said, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Here's what he's thinking. Jesus is a righteous Jew. And it was against the Jewish law to enter into the household of a Gentile. It would make him unclean. He didn't want to make Jesus unclean. And so he said to Jesus, just, he said, I'm, I'm a, I know about authority. I command people. And when I command people, that all you have to do is command my servant to be made well, and my servant will be made well. Now watch what Jesus says. This is, this is Luke chapter 7, verse 9. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd who would have been Jewish. 
said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. What did Jesus just say? Don't confine your religious learning to religious people. Even the ones that have it right. Because I will use everyone. Let me give you another example. I could do this all day long, but I'll just give you one more. In Matthew chapter 18, there's this, there's this, uh, um, um, <laughs> there's this incident where the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, I got to tell you, let me, let me just give you a little lesson in human nature here. Whenever you're asking somebody who's really great, chances are you're looking to at least get honorable mention in the answer. Seriously. I mean, don't you think the disciples were going there and they were saying, well, like, who do you think's the greatest? Like, and they're thinking, well, we're the ones that are following you closest and we're the, we're the early adapters. And so who do you think is the greatest? Jesus totally turned the tables. He says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, and he called a child to himself and set him before him and said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I remind you of the view of children back at this time? Totally discounted. Totally, not only not want to be to seen and not heard, just not even want to be seen. I mean, the disciples, the Bible says the disciples tried to keep the kids away. And Jesus said, what are you doing? Let them come to me. The culture said, kids, they're nothing. Jesus said, kids, they're everything. They trust They learn. Unless you become one of these, you'll never know what the kingdom's all about. What does this mean for us? God has a revelation. By the way, revelation means, let me use this this verse. In in, um, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter chapter, um, 4, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Even if our gospel is veiled. Now, uh, what it means is the kingdom of God is concurrent with the kingdom of this world. It, it's right alongside. But it's also convergent. It breaks in to those who recognize what it is and can see what it is. It is distinct, but it is not distant. And so it says, even if our gospel is veiled, the word revelation means unveiled, taking the veil away, seeing behind the veil. This is what it means. It is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What about the rest of us? We can see behind the veil. We can see behind the veil. 
That's what God wants you to be able to see. He wants you to be able to hear in every conversation what he would say to you personally. Now, this takes a lot of training. takes a lot of practice. He wants you to see in every circumstance that he's in there. takes a lot of training. takes a lot of practice. But he's in this for the long haul. Are you? Could I also say this to you? God will use the people in your life either to affirm you or to irritate you into his role for your life. Let me say that again. God will use the people around you in your life either to affirm you or to irritate you into his role in your life. Let me come down again. Has anybody ever had somebody say something to them that was either so affirming that you thought, that's not just them talking, that's God talking to me. That's God using them to speak to me. Or something so negative that that it had just the opposite effect on you. And God was saying to you, that's not me. No, that's not what I believe. Don't you believe me either. Anybody ever have that happen to them? Somebody else was talking and they didn't even, they weren't even speaking for God, but yet God was speaking through them. Anybody ever had that experience? Okay, I want to I hear what happened. Tell us your name and tell us, tell us what, the, what the experience was. Um, what was the experience? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was, um, many times when I come to church, I hear it. And, you know, just talking away. And talking to people in our Bible study, and um, it's amazing what comes out. Yeah. And you just feel like God, when they yeah. speak, God is sending you a personal message. Yeah. Yeah. Like every week. So. Every week. Good. See, that's great. You're well on your way. You're not far from the can. That's good. Anybody else have, have an experience or, a, or, a, or, or an example of this? Somebody's pointing back there to somebody else. <laughs> Who are you pointing to? Huh? Oh, down front. I came all the way back here. That's all right. I got my Fitbit on. I need the steps. Okay. Who else? Who? Oh, there you are. Oh, I know you. Thank you. Tell, uh, me, tell me what happened. Well, we were driving down 436 with our son, and there's an adult entertainment uh, venue there. And Skyler, had, he, he was always curious, wanted to know what it was, and he said, what is that? And so we finally said, well, um, that's a place where sometimes girls who don't know that they're beautiful and they don't know how valuable they are, they dance. And Skylar said, well, why do they dance? And I said, well, men look at them while they dance. And Skylar said, because the girls are broken? And I said, yes. And I thought that was the end of it. And then Skylar said, well, don't you think those men are broken too? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. See, that's a, we just talked about the wisdom that comes through kids. And, and, and God's messages that come through kids. God's insight. There was no condemnation here. There was no condemnation. I know Skylar. There's no condemnation in this kid's voice. He was just... He was just 
speaking the wisdom of God. That's what God wants us to hear. That's how God wants to speak to us. Whether it's affirming or it's irritating, God wants us to understand that he's constantly trying to communicate with us. And he wants us to be able to see the good in the world that surrounds the not good in the world. Let me show you something real quickly. Flash that image up on the, on the screen, will you? What do you see here? What's the first thing you see? Good. Okay. Anybody see anything else? You see evil? Yeah. See, every situation we have, you can see good or you can see evil. Conversely, uh, or counterintuitively, evil is in the lighter colors here. Many times the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. But the point is that God wants us to be able to see the reality of evil. Not to avoid the evil there is. Evil is real. We need to be very plain. We need to be very honest about this. But God wants us to see he's got it surrounded. That's the kind of insight he wants. So, so what's our job here? First job is to understand what John, John Maxwell said. And I'm going I'm to close here. I could, I could talk about this for a really long time. But you come back next week, I'll, talk, I'll teach you some more. But, but John Maxwell wrote a book called uh, um, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. <laughs> I love the title of that book. And in that book, he has three principles. Principle number one. Everyone has something to teach me. I love this. Very simple. Everyone has something to teach me. Could I just add two words to that? Everyone has something to teach me about God. Start looking for that. Number two, every day I can learn something. Every day I can learn something. Could I just add two words to that? About God. Every day I can learn something about God. Number three, every time I learn something, I benefit. Could I just add a little bit to that? Every time I learn something, I benefit in ways that will benefit others. Because that's why God blesses us. That's why God teaches us. So that we can be a blessing to others.